you know, we all go through things in life, but, you know, I, I, I say bulldoze your fear. That's kind of my tagline, Mm -hmm. but you're not really bulldozing it. So to speak, you're more, you know, just moving through it, finding your purpose on the other side of it and then moving towards that purpose. So, you know, that's one thing that I try to teach my kids is that concept. And I thought, you know, we parents need to be uh, a good example for our kids, no matter what, good, bad, or indifferent, right? So I have a very honest relationship with my kids. Even when I was writing the book, you know, I was honest with them. And I said, look, you know, there are days I wrote and I just was not mentally capable of doing anything else for the rest of the day. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. This week, we have with us Susan Snow. And Susan is going to tell us all about herself and all of the things that she is up to. Take it away, Susan. Well, hello there, and thank you so much for having me on. Uh, where do I start? You know, um, I think part of it is um, I, I mean, do you want me to tell like the story about what happened and what led me to write my book kind of thing? Sure. That's what that you want to do. Looking for? Okay. So um, when I was 17, my dad was a Los Angeles police detective and he was, um, ambushed and murdered while picking up my six-year-old brother from school. And then my mom and I, it was Halloween night of 1985. Um, my mom and I were called to the scene. So we rec- we uh, witnessed his body and the aftermath of what happened. And I was 17 at the time. So it was obviously a very traumatic experience. And, um, you know, back then in the eighties, there really wasn't any conversation around PTSD. Um, so all of the, the, uh, mental things that were happening to me, um, and not knowing that I had PTSD at the time, um, I just was trying to navigate all of that on my own. Um, my mom kind of, um, Obviously, she was taking care of my six-year-old brother. It was a very chaotic time. Um, 
I was kind of sent away that night. So uh, when it happened, my my mom made the decision to send me with a neighbor. And at 17, I, I had to uh, navigate some of the feelings and the shock and the trauma on my own. And so, um, and it even took the media because it was a big story back then. It took the media about three days to figure out he had a teenage daughter. So I initially felt unimportant and abandoned. Um, and so, you know, it was many, many years of dealing with all of the brain fog. I didn't sleep for an entire year. Um, about a, a month into my first therapy experience was not a positive one, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, LAPD sent us to therapy about a, about a month after. And um, we all saw different therapists. And the one that I saw... Um, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect for therapy, like, and I didn't know what questions to ask because I was a kid and I just knew that I had these feelings of not wanting to be here and mm -hmm. wanting to be with my dad mm -hmm. and the fogginess and not sleeping at night and anxiety um, because there was a af right after there was some time where we were in danger ourselves. So there was a lot of that going on. And this therapist chose to be very um, shallow in his, in these sessions. So we only talked about my boyfriend, school, my mom and I's relationship. And we literally, and people freak out when I tell people this, but he never asked me about that night or how it made me feel or any of that, which was mind boggling now, you know, in hindsight. Um, so for an entire year, I saw this man and, and for an entire year, I was a mess internally, but I didn't know how to express it. And nobody was asking the questions to pull it out of me either. So um, after a year, he looked at me and said, you're a well-rounded young lady. You're strong. And you're going to be fine for the rest of your life. I don't need to see you anymore. <laughs> Go figure. Um, so that was my first experience with therapy. <laughs> wow. That's horrible. That it is was, absolutely horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. It, like thinking back now, I'm just, it just floors me. Um, And so, you know, it wasn't until years later, uh, we had moved from Cal Southern California, where it happened, to Colorado. And we moved here in 97. And in 99, Columbine happened. Mm. And that was a turning point for me. 
because I was working as a hairdresser at the time and I had set my client back uh, to process her color and went into the back room and we had a teeny tiny little TV back there and I turned it on. It was all over the news and I had a visceral like emotional response and I didn't know what was going on. It started with the tingling in the fingers, and then I felt my heart palpitating. I was sweating. I turned white, and my colleague came in, and I told nobody my story. Like, nobody here in Colorado knew what happened, and now I was forced to say, I don't know why this is happening to me, you know, and they were asking me, my, my colleagues were asking me, like, do you have any kids at Columbine? Do you, do you live near Columbine? Right, yeah. Said, is there an no, attachment? Yeah. Nothing. And I could not understand. I, I just, I could not wrap my head around why this was happening to me because it sent me back so far that the fogginess happened you know, the flashbacks happened, uh, the suicidal ideation came back. Now I'm married with two children and I'm fighting every day to stay earthly. Um, I had plans in my head almost every day and my husband caught on oh, and my husband was the boyfriend way back then. So he had been going through all of this trauma alongside me. And he looked at me one day and he said, you have two choices. You either get help or you're going to the hospital today. Mm -hmm. And so I chose to get help and I went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they did was put me on antidepressants and told me I need to seek a therapist. <laughs> and I thought, not that again. Uh oh, <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble. Because if that's what therapy is, I don't know how I'm gonna because all these years that this happened, I thought I was crazy. I just thought, okay, mm -hmm. I'm just nuts. That's just the bottom line. I've snapped at 17 and I'm just crazy and I have to deal with this. And then here I'm older, right? And Columbine happens and I think, oh no, I really am crazy. So I went to the therapist and I was just telling her in our first session, like a little snippet of what was going on, why I was feeling this way. And she looked at me and she said, everything you've done and gone through since you were 17 is absolutely normal. And you have PTSD. And my head wanted to explode because I was like, I don't get it. I didn't go to war. I'm not, you know, in the military. I'm not a first responder. Like, and she said, you know, traumatic experiences, traumatic experiences. regular people mm -hmm. can have PTSD. And I thought to myself, wow, you mean I'm not crazy? And she said, no, you're not crazy. And so that just started my journey on, 
okay, this is what's happened to me. And this is what I've been dealing with. So now what do I do? You know? Um, and it wasn't until I turned 50 years old where I was like, okay, I've done all this work to get where I'm at. And now it's time for me to sit down and put it to paper and heal myself even more. So initially the book was for my own cathartic, um, you know, process. Right. However, as I started writing, I realized, wow, I can help others through my experiences and through uh, the things I've gone through in my life. And uh, fear definitely came into play when I was writing this book, like a ton of it. And I had to find a place and a therapist helped me too as well and a coach but I had to find a place where every time I felt that fear step in, that I felt my purpose for this book. So I found a purpose and it drove me past the fear because I knew it was going to be better, right? On the other side of it, it was just a matter of working through it. So that's, you know, that's, that's been my journey in a life, you know, in, in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. I mean, I cannot imagine what that must've been like for you at that early age to see that and have experienced that. And, you know, it's, it's just like, as you said, mind boggling that the therapist would never have asked you like what your feelings were around the reason why you were attending therapy to begin with that part. I just don't understand, but thankfully <laughs> your partner figured out that something wasn't right and put you on, you know, put you in touch with someone or, you know, basically caused you to, to seek out the persons that would help you on your path. Right. So, you know, that part is amazing. You know, right. it's also amazing to me. I mean, when you've gone through something like that, it seems like your partner was a huge support because it sounds like maybe mom had some difficulty because, I mean, she had to deal with the loss of her spouse and also had to deal with now being on a, a single parent, you know, unplanned. Like this is just a big mm -hmm. thing, right? And so maybe she just didn't know what to do. She didn't know how, right. to, how to react, which is perfectly normal, right? I mean, most people don't, go through this scenario in their minds and figure out how would they respond and then be able to, you know, have a more, I don't know, a more calculated yeah. response. Right. I mean, that would right. be right. right. So, so that's expected that mom was kind of, you know, in a zone and didn't really like consider well, was, everybody. I, I think it was hard too, because I mean, honestly, between you and I, my yeah. mom and I's relationship was fractured prior to this happening. Oh, okay. And okay. so, you know, it was, um, I, th I think it was a little of that. And obviously, you know, I, I can't speak for her. I right. just know sure. that how it affected me and how it, and honestly, I didn't feel, I didn't understand the abandonment part until I started writing the book. And I started to think about it as me, the mom, 
And what would my reaction have been if the shoe were on the other foot? And I think for me, I would want my kids around me. I would not let them leave my side because I need them to know that they're going to be okay, that we're going to get through this together because I'm the adult, right? So I, they need me. They need to know that they are safe and that they, you know, they have me. And so, um, that wasn't what I got. And so Mm. it was just a matter of, and it has, that pattern has followed me my whole life in a way where I took what I felt and I put it towards other kids. So I have people laugh at me because, you know, some people collect tchotchkes and I collect children and not in a weird way. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I have kids where their parents or, you know, their family life is not great okay. or strained or they're not getting the support system. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I have always been, that's kind of our church. Like we've always given these children a safe place and a safe haven and an unconditional love, but also hold them accountable and give them you know, that, that kind of relationship as well, like a mentor. I see. Um, I know those kids are having kids and they're giving us grandchildren. (laughs) Oh, I see. Got it. But I think because of the way I grew up Mm -hmm. and I never connected it until I wrote the book and I thought, oh, that's why I connect with children like that. And that's why I tend to be, I I try to be their adult support system, you know, like it takes a village, right? Absolutely. So, um, so my husband and I are kind of like the village and I love it, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of it too is my dad, the way he uh, raised me is that I need to be open and keep my heart open and, you know, my mind open and just be very accepting and love everyone basically. Um, and so I've tried to do that as well. And I think that was when I, when I wrote my book, it was really important for me also, because there's a lot of, um, when it happened, there was a lot of people's interpretation of how I should have felt about certain things or how oh, okay. I should have handled certain things or, you know, uh, whatever. And I felt like it was important for people to see me as vulnerable as that was. And it, I'm very vulnerable in this book. Like I am all out there. <laughs> so just knowing that and knowing that I could be vulnerable. Um, my hope was that people could see my vulnerability and allow themselves to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to own their story so that they could heal as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah, no, that that's, that's huge. 
Hey, it's Dr. G, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. I just, I love how you, um, I love that this has, you, you mentioned the word cathartic earlier mm -hmm. and I thought that was, that's very apropos because of how you're describing what it has done for you in the sense of like the therapeutic aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's amazing that, you know, you were able to channel the fear that you felt around writing this and really help other people. You know, I, I, that's huge, you know, and, and, and a lot of times we start doing things that we're, you know, we're focusing ourselves in the sense that we're trying to benefit ourselves, trying to heal ourselves. And then it turns out to be something that resonates to a lot of people, you know, and it's because of our own struggles and our own journey that we're able to like have that message go out and really help others be able to like face their own truths and be able to come out of storms. Because I mean, you were in a major storm for many years, you know, mm -hmm. un unaware of it. And then the fact is that, you know, unfortunately another, another traumatic event triggered it for you. And then mm -hmm. allowed for you to, to face, face your fear. Cause that's, right. that's what, that's what was happening. Like you, you had these feelings. You had no idea. You thought you were crazy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that's just not, I mean, it's, it's natural. Everything that you felt, everything that you went through, that was natural. I mean, it's not natural for you to see someone that you love murdered. That's not right. natural. And so you will have, you know, you will have a response, a physical response, a mental response to that. And uh, yeah, I mean, my, I'm just, my heart just sunk as you were describing the therapist, because I, you know, it just, it's just horrible that that was a, a point when a change could have been made and it doesn't, it just wasn't. And at the same time, I, I'm, I'm sure that you're probably somewhat grateful for that person also, because, you know, had he not done a, or I don't know if it's a boy, had he had the, had the person not done a horrible job, you know, you may not have had the kind of relationship with your partner that you had, because I mean, your partner was there for you, like during the worst of times. Yep. And, you know, so knows you so well that, he, you know, he was able to like figure out when you're at the point that you absolutely, absolutely needed an intervention, which I think is not, we not, we're not gifted with that. Many people aren't gifted with that kind of relationship. So, you know, there are bad things, but there are definitely some, some good things that have arisen from this. And you also have an incredible story, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, that was the one thing it's like, uh, for me, I think it was important for me to change, uh, the legacy a little bit for my kids. Um, and show my kids who are all adult men now, um, that, that it was, you know, we all go through things in life. Um, but you know, I, I, I say bulldoze your fear. That's kind of my tagline, Mm -hmm. but you're not really bulldozing it. So to speak, you're more, you know, just moving through it, finding your purpose on the other side of it and then moving towards that purpose. So, you know, that's one thing that I try to teach my kids is that concept. And I thought, you know, we parents need to be uh, a good example for our kids, no matter what, good, bad, or indifferent, right? So I have a very honest relationship with my kids. And even when I was writing the book, you know, I was honest with them. And I said, look, you know, there are days I wrote and I just was not mentally capable of doing anything else for the rest of the day. And instead of feeling guilty about it and, you know, the, the negative self-talk happening, I decided to give myself some grace because reliving your trauma is not an easy thing. Right. And, um, and, you know, and especially when fear starts to slip in, um, it it makes it a little bit more difficult of a battle. So, you know, I, I, but I think my biggest message to people is that once you get to the other side of that fear and the other side of that pain, the freedom from that pain, having a hold in your life is indescribable. Yes. And for myself, I have been able to, it's changed every aspect of my life. Every relationship that I have is different because I see it differently. Um, and I see it honestly. I don't have rose-colored glasses on anymore or pretend that something isn't as negative as I think it was, or Mm -hmm. that it doesn't serve me anymore. Um, And I've been able to do that. And it, you know, when you're in the middle of trauma and you're living in your trauma, you can't see that. So that's why, you know, I talk to a lot of women who get into bad relationships with men or vice versa, men getting into relationships with women because they're still living in their trauma and they can't see the real deal. This person's being nice, saying all the right things, you know, that kind of thing. And then they just, they think, oh, these people are wonderful. But then when they start to heal from their trauma, they start opening their eyes to who this person really is. So the same with your own self, you start to really what the, you know, they say the, the it's, it's 
peeling away the onion, right? Yes. Just peeling away the layers of yourself to find out who you really are. And, um, and so, you know, that process is exactly that peeling away your onion. Yes. No, no. Thank you for sharing your story and thank you for writing a book. Speaking of which, let's see, do you have a copy there so we can see what it's called and everything? Oh, sure. Do you want me to, I'll, I'll grab it. Hold on. Yeah. Let's let us know what, what a book is called and where we can find it. Okay. So this is the book. Can you see it? Yes, the other side of the gun. Uh-huh. By Susan Snow. My, My journey, journey from trauma to resiliency. Yep. And Wonderful. it's on Amazon. Okay. It's in two forms. It's in a paperback form or you can get it on Kindle. Okay. I am working on doing my audiobook. <laughs> oh, very nice. Are you doing the, are you reading it or are you having yes. somebody read it? Oh, you're reading it. it. Wow. That's a big job. That's a big. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I am going to do it. I've had too many people tell me I should do it myself. So I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it's, you know, my hope is that people that read it, I'll be able to connect with it in different ways. Good, bad, or indifferent. Doesn't matter. You know, when you put it out into the universe, you know, you, you can't have any expectations that everybody is going to love what I have to say because Absolutely. they might That's not, not realistic right, That's right. Not realistic. <laughs> they may not but it will reach okay. the people that it needs to I mean that's the point right I mean yeah yep <laughs> yes so that you know so I, I'm doing these podcasts but I'm my biggest goal is to be on a stage in front of 10,000 people and okay telling my message because uh, if I could just reach one person in that audience and change their life in some sort of way, I've done my job. Sounds good. Well, I mean, it's a great start because uh, um, pretty much, I, I know this podcast has a lot of listeners. So, I mean, I you're, you're hitting a lot of ears, you know? So. <laughs> I know. I, you know, it's funny because I, I forget that sometimes since I'm just talking to you. Yes, you yes. Know, on no. screen. No, so, you're, you're uh, reaching, you're reaching those already. You're already, you're already probably reaching more than one person already. Yeah. So, I hope not, so. It's good. I really, I, I really hope so. Cause that's my purpose. It is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. 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 And so now, um, we're Susan, we're at that point in the show where we do our fill in the blank. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. The first one is if I am fearless, I will. If I am fearless. I will be able to move through life in a positive way, always. Okay. All right. And then the next one is to me, fearless freedom means. Oh my gosh. Fearless freedom. We just talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it. I heard you say it in previous. We just <laughs> talked about this, finding your purpose on the other side. Yes. And moving through your fear. Awesome. Awesome. And then the last one is my battle cry is. Oh, bulldoze your fear. <laughs> nice. I was like, I was wondering if you could say that because like you said that earlier, you're like, this is my mantra. I'm like, yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah. And then, and then, bulldoze you know, um, just in case people are looking to to talk to you or to contact you. Is there a way that they can do that? 
Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, they can uh, email me if they want. Um, I am also on Facebook. Uh, it's called, it's called Susan Snow Speaks and okay. it's my Facebook page. Awesome. Um, my email is Susan Snow Speaks at gmail.com. So they can reach out that way. Um, I'm on Instagram with just my name. Awesome. So anybody can Google me, Susan Snow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm open to conversation with whoever needs an ear. Awesome. Awesome. I love that your name has alliteration too. That's really neat. Susan Snow, <laughs> right. And then speaks that it's like double S's, triple S's, I guess. Right. It's right. really cool. It's easy to remember. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for sharing your story and being so vulnerable with our audience, because I feel like as you had your goal of reaching someone, I feel like you've reached more than just someone. I think that just by telling your story and sharing how you overcame fear and how you're still overcoming fear on a daily basis is going to be impactful to many, not just one. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day and spending it with us here at the Fearless Freedom Tribe. We really appreciate you and we are looking forward to watch you do great things. And hopefully we'll see you in front of that audience of 10,000 very, very soon. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.